If you have your Bibles, go to John chapter 15 is where we are this morning. John chapter number 15, and uh, today's subject is joy, Uh, talking about joy today. Uh, Christmas time, Christmas time, so many different songs come to mind. We got all these different songs that we sing at Christmas time. My favorite song is, in fact, Joy to the World. Uh, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. And uh, uh, I, I don't know why that's my favorite song, but I know that that is my favorite song. But I also know that when you're talking about of all the songs, that definitely captures uh, what Christmas is all about. When you think about the angels <clears throat> who came to the shepherds in the fields and they announced the birth of Jesus Christ. Fear not, for behold, I bring good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And talking about joy at Christmas season particularly, uh, it's interesting. I was in Jacksonville for a couple of days this week, and uh, we had an opportunity to get out and and just kind of hang out for a little bit, my wife and I. It was our 32nd wedding anniversary. We were over there hanging out, and uh, and we went to a, I don't even know what we went to, mall, but it was an outside mall. But anyways, uh, uh, there was a bunch of people. And uh, and I like to watch people. We like to watch people. So we're hanging out and just kind of watching people. And, and when you're studying for something on Sunday, you just really, it's, it's right there uh, on, on, on your thoughts as you're hanging out. And I was watching people and I, and I was just wondering, where is the joy this Christmas season? Where is the joy? Why are so many people walking around and it seems to be that they're so busy and caught up in life that, that, that we're just too busy to stop, too busy uh, uh, for just meditating and really reflecting on what this is all about. Uh, when you're talking about joy, understanding that there's a difference between joy and happiness because happiness is really kind of sort of a victim of circumstance. Happiness is dependent upon what's happening in the world around us. <clears throat> you know, there's a little old nursery song. I say nursery song. There's a little old song uh, that's sung. I'm in right out, right up, right down, right happy all the time. You ever heard that song uh, before? You know, I'm in right out, right up, right down, right happy all the time. And uh, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You know the problem with that song? It's not true. It's a liar, liar. That is not true. You can't be happy. I'm not happy all the time. Uh, There's a difference between being happy and being joyful. Uh, Being joyful, the source of my joy is Jesus Christ. Therefore, it's not a victim of circumstance. It's stable. And and, and I can continue to have a spirit of joy no matter what comes my way. Uh, Because the Bible, in fact, in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5 and in verse number 16, the Bible says, rejoice always. Rejoice always. Always. Do you know that that's a command that God gives in Scripture? Rejoice always. So that tells me if He's commanding me to rejoice always, then to rejoice is a choice. I have an opportunity to decide whether or not I will be filled with joy or not. Now, again, happiness is depending upon what's happening around me, but my joy is to remain constant. It's a choice that I make. And in fact, Jesus Christ wants us to have joy. The Bible says in John chapter 17 and verse 13, we're going to be in 15 in just a minute, but in John chapter 17 and verse number 13, the Bible says, but now I come to you and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. Jesus wants us to experience 
his joy. And especially as believers, there's reason why he wants us to experience his joy. There's reason why he wants us. I'll give you two reasons, I believe, why he wants us to experience his joy. Now, this isn't exhausting the subject, but there are a couple of reasons, I believe, that are very important that we have his joy in our life. Number one would be for our witness, for our witness. In other words, because of others' sake. What are they seeing in your life? Do they see joy in you? Because if Jesus is the source of joy, we can say, do they see Jesus in you? Is there a spirit of joy about you? It's attractive and it's important for our witness. The Bible says in Psalm 51 and verse number 12 and 13, David understood that joy was important when we're talking about sharing with others. Psalm 51, verse 12 and 13, the Bible says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. In other words, man, when joy is absent, we just look miserable. It's, it's inexcusable for the church not to look like it is a joy-filled place where it's filled with people who rejoice. You ever been to a church where you walk in and it's just not even, there's like, where's the joy in this place? You ever, you ever been to a church like that? I mean, I'm, I'm being very serious. Uh, I, I, was, I was in Virginia one time and I, and I went to a church, me and Bonnie went to a church in Virginia. And uh, when I walked in, I was like, man, good night. It looked like a bunch of hound dogs in a hailstorm, man. You ever seen that before where their ears are down and their tails tucked between their legs and you're just like, Mm. And uh, I, I, was, I was to begin a four-day revival in this church, and I kid you not, we, we walked in, and, and, and it was like, man, this is really depressing in this place. There's no joy in this place, and I really struggled with it to the extent that we got in our car, and when we were heading back home, I prayed to God, God, please send somebody else to come back and finish the revival, because I don't want to go back because it was depressing. There was no joy, and joy affects your witness. You say, how'd that story end up? Well, God didn't answer, and I had to go back. <laughs> and it ended up being well. I'm grateful. Nonetheless, joy. To rejoice is a choice. And, it, and it, really, it really is so important with our witness. When you're trying to share somebody about Jesus Christ and the difference that he makes in your life, and all of a sudden you don't see a difference in your life. There's no joy. In other words, I just kind of ebb and flow with, with my circumstances. Well, then where's the joy? Where's the joy? Do others see, question, do others see joy in you? In fact, I would even, I would even, take, I would even take it a step further and encourage you. You say, I don't, know if I, I, don't know, I don't know what they see. I don't know what they see. Ask them. Ask your family members, hey, do you see joy in my life? Do, do you see joy in me? It's important for our witness. But I tell you, not only for our witness, and that's all about others, but it's also important for your work because God calls us uh, to be doers of the word. And, and, and not to be doers in a begrudging manner, but to be doers of the word. And as we're doers of the word, to be joyful in our doing of the work and are doing of the work. Nehemiah teaches us that lesson. When you go back to the Old Testament and you see Nehemiah, Nehemiah just so happened to be the man that was tasked with the job to go back and rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. And it was a daunting task. It had been decades since it had been destroyed and the people were humiliated in front of their peers and in front of their countrymen around them. And he came back to this town of Jerusalem. And when he came back and he heard the news, he wept at first hearing the news. 
But then when he came back and after walking, and God put a song in his heart, and God, God <laughs> he began to work. In fact, he whistled while he worked. You ever heard that song, Let Me Whistle While I Work? I believe that Nehemiah whistled while he worked. In fact, he was the one, he was the one, Nehemiah was the one uh, that, that wrote the words, that penned the words uh, uh, about, about, about working, the, the joy of the Lord. You know that song that says, the joy of the Lord is my strength? Something like that. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. That came from Nehemiah. And Nehemiah, although he at first saw a task and said, good night, this humongous task, and God Almighty called me to do this, he begins to work, and he worked with all of his heart, and God put a song in his spirit. The joy of the Lord is my strength. That's what strengthened him to do the work of the Lord. And if we're not careful in the midst of our work, what happens is we can lose our joy. If our perspective is wrong, we can lose our joy in the work. In other words, you, are, you can work without joy. You can do that. In fact, the Bible gives us an illustration of that with the two sisters. You remember the stories of Mary, Mary and Martha? Mary and Martha, the two sisters, and Jesus Christ, and, and some folks come over for dinner, and, and, and there's Mary, and Mary sitting there at the feet just enjoying fellowship with Jesus Christ, and old Martha was just working and working and working, and the more Mary sat there, the more Martha worked, and the more Martha worked, the more sour she got. Oh, miserable Martha. That's all she was. And she was just so ticked off. Why was she so ticked off? Because she was focusing on what other people were doing or what they weren't doing. And the question is, is why are you doing what you're doing? Do you remember that? She said, Jesus, don't you see my sister? And Jesus said, Martha, Martha. That's because her first and middle name were Martha. <laughs> you're in trouble. Martha, Martha, you know, your sister's chosen what needs to be done in this moment. Proper perspective in the midst of our work. God doesn't want us to be miserable. He wants us to have joy. And so the question is, is how do we experience his joy that never leaves us? Well, the Bible says in John chapter 15, verses 10 and 11. We're looking at two verses. It's tucked away inside of a more lengthy passage, uh, uh, and we're going to try to pick that up as we go. John 15, verses 10 and 11. The Bible says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. And just talking again about the joy that we have because of Jesus Christ. Number one, Jesus Christ. Here's, here's, here's a few things. John 15, verses 10 and 11. Number one, Jesus is the source of joy. Jesus Christ himself is the source of joy. And you know what happens to us along the way if we're not careful is we look to other things to be our source of joy in our life. It's not the blessings of Jesus, but it's Jesus Christ himself. I mean, we seek joy in a lot of different ways. We seek fulfillment. We seek satisfaction in a lot of different ways. Some people look for it in power, and they look for it in position, and they climb the ladder only to find that, man, this does not really fulfill 
my heart's need. It doesn't fulfill the joy in my life. Alexander the Great, no doubt one of the most powerful people on the planet in his day, and yet he cries out, weeping towards the end of his lifetime, there are no more worlds to be conquered. I mean, there's some people that think, man, if I, if I only have more money, then I'll experience true joy. And the fact of the matter is, no, money is not the source of joy. Jay Gould was a multi-billionaire, and yet he says, I suppose I'm the most miserable man on earth. In other words, money is not the source of joy. Jesus Christ, again, is the source of joy. We can go down the list and say, where, where are you looking for joy? Well, if you're not looking for Jesus as the source of joy, then it will never be experienced. You've got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is what's necessary. You have to have Jesus to have joy. And so my question to you today is this. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? That's where it begins you, you, you got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ to have true joy. He's the source of joy. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of that sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. My sin separates me from Jesus Christ. He is my joy. Without him, I'll never experience joy. Why? Because he is the source of joy. And when Jesus Christ is the source of my joy, that's what he's saying there in verse number 11. He says, these things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. And so if Jesus Christ, number one, is the source of joy, number two, when you're talking about Jesus, if that is truly the source of my joy, then my, my joy will be uh, stable. My joy is going to be stability. There's going to be stability with the joy. In other words, it's not fleeting no matter what I'm facing. My joy does not fleet no matter what I face in life. That's the way joy works. In other words, there's a song. Remember, <laughs> I don't know why I got all these songs this week, but um, Vacation Bible School sings this song. I got joy down in my heart. Okay, some of y'all have been to Vacation Bible School. I've got joy down in my heart, deep, deep down in my heart. Jesus put it there, and nothing can. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Destroy it, destroy it, destroy it. (laughs) Nothing can destroy it, and that's true. But I tell you what else is true. Although nothing can destroy my joy, nothing can take my joy, I can forfeit my joy. In fact, I was thinking this week about this subject of joy, and, and, and I believe this to be true for every single one of us. Do you, know, do you know the greatest robber of your joy? The greatest robber of your joy is you. You. I'm the greatest robber of my joy. If I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what I'm facing. In fact, the Bible says, as was read earlier, James chapter number 1, verse number 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of various kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. In other words, Jesus Christ in his word is just simply saying, Hey, listen, you're going to go through difficult days. All of you will go through difficult days, but you can still experience my joy in the midst of difficulty. It's no different than peace last week when you're talking about what we experience in life. We got to maintain perspective, understanding again that Jesus is my joy. And so often what we do is we elevate ourselves rather than our Savior. We take
take our eyes off of him and fix them on the storms, and we forfeit peace. We forfeit joy along the way. We're the ones that forfeit the joy. He is there. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. And his grace is sufficient for his powers perfected in my weaknesses. He's always there for me. So in the midst of our trials, understanding this, that they are there so that I might know him. I can know God on a new level when I go through difficult days. That's where the joy is found, and it, it, it's, through, it's through the lessons that I learned because of Jesus Christ. I mean, it was good for me that I was afflicted so that I might learn of your statutes, the psalmist said. So, so to know God, but also to make God known. There's no greater joy than sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. And it's in the midst of difficult days, oftentimes, that God opens doors of opportunity for us that would never have been opened before. And so God help us to maintain proper perspective in the midst of storms so that we don't forfeit our joy. We forfeit our joy in a lot of different ways. I'll tell you another way. One way we forfeit joy as a, as a believer, one way we forfeit joy as a believer is to live life with unconfessed sin in our life. I mean, just a moment ago, we read from Psalm 51, verses 12 and 13, where David, if you know the story of David, here David was. David was a man after God's own heart, and yet David committed adultery, committed murder, and he writes this psalm, Psalm 51, and he describes what he's experiencing as a person. And if we read through Psalm 51, all of us, all of us can relate to what he's talking about. But he says this in the midst of Psalm 51, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Why was it lacking? Because he had sin in his life. Unconfessed sin in our life will rob us of the joy that we have in Jesus Christ. And so God help us not to have unconfessed sin in our life, number one. Number two, I tell you another thing that robs us of our joy is when we focus again on the storms rather than on the God of the storms. <clears throat> it's all about focus and the joy that's ours. Because what happens to us is when we focus, sometimes what we do is we, we focus on the things that we don't have rather than the things that we do have. Sometimes I, I don't know how far to go with different illustrations, but I'll tell you, uh, uh, I, remember, I remember with, with my wife and <clears throat> the doctors, some of you know the story, the doctors told her she had three months to live when we were first married, our third year of marriage. And the doctor said, uh, you've got three months to live and you're going to die. And so we went through a period of trying to figure out what to do and what to say. And we told our parents but we had a difficult time talking to one another. Uh, what do you say? What do you say to a 22-year-old who the doctor says you're going to die? Three months. And then one night she, she said, you know, we've talked to our parents, but, uh, and I know I'm going to be all right because I'm going to heaven. She said, what about you? And uh, I'll never forget when she asked the question, um, said, I know this. I know that if God plans to take you home, he's not going to forsake me. He's got a plan for me. And in that moment, we dropped our knees. We dropped our knees in our bedroom, and we prayed. And as I prayed, I'm telling you, I was overwhelmed with a spirit of gratitude, thanking God that over the last two and a half or so years, 
been the greatest years of my life because of the blessing that you've given to me. In other words, we can focus on the storm at hand. We can focus on the missed tomorrows. And some people never get out of that. Because I went through this and it affected me till now. And so I'm just bitter. And, and, and yeah, you can get bitter. But I'd rather be filled with joy. And it's about perspective. It's about perspective. So God help us to keep our eyes fixed on him. You know the Proverbs say it like this in Proverbs chapter 3 and verses 5 and 6. Verses that oftentimes we quote from. Uh, but trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he'll direct your path. You know a lot of times we have these verses from scripture that we quote, we memorize. And uh, they're easy to Quote, they're easy to memorize, but they're difficult to practice. I mean, when you're in the midst of trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. When we say, it's just not fair, and we grow bitter and cold and hard towards the Lord. When God says, man, I got something for you. I'm the God of storms. You know, Job was the one that said, naked I came from a mother's womb, naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all of this, Job did not sin. He maintained proper perspective in the midst of his storm. God, help us to stay fixed on Jesus Christ. He is stable. The stability of our joy is dependent completely upon Jesus if he is the source of our joy. And he tells us in his word, he tells us, I'll never leave you and I will never forsake you. I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. And so it, it's stable. Our joy is stable. But not only is it stable, I tell you, it's also sufficient. It's sufficient <clears throat> so that your joy, the Bible says in verse number 11, that your joy may be made full. And just talking about the sufficiency of joy, I believe all of us are born with this deficiency in our life, a void that can only be filled, a spiritual void within our hearts that can only be filled with Jesus Christ. And if you don't have a relationship with him, then there's something missing there's something not there. And you'll never experience joy. It can only be satisfied. It can only be filled with Jesus Christ. And so it begins with a relationship with him, number one. But the relationship has to be Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. In other words, how do we maintain, uh, uh, how do we maintain the fullness of joy? Well, the Bible says in this chapter here, if we go back up, chapter uh, 15, verse number 1, and walk through there several times he talks about abiding in him. The Bible says in verse number 5 of this chapter, I am the vine, Jesus talking, I am the vine to us who are believers. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, uh, you can do nothing. And part of that fruit that he's talking about, love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so he says, hey, if then, if then, if you will abide in me. How do we abide in him? What does that mean to abide 
and Jesus Christ. It's what we must practice as believers if we are to experience the fullness of His joy. We've got to abide. So how do we abide? His Word tells us. You want to know how to abide in Him? Obey Him. Obey Him. Walk in His ways. The Bible says here in John chapter 15, continuing as you read on, uh, if you keep my commandments, verse number 10, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. We must stay connected, and the way we do that is through obedience, not only to be a hearer of the Word, but to be a doer of the Word. It is of utmost importance if we are to experience the joy that's ours in Jesus Christ. And so i got to ask you the question, this Christmas season especially, are you experiencing the joy of the Lord? Are you experiencing His joy? Number one, you got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Number two, you must abide in Him. And the only way you abide in Him is through obedience. You see, there's some people that like to live life, and they basically do their own thing. And if you live in life doing your own thing and not doing His will, His way, don't fool yourself. You're not experiencing the joy that He has for you. And so God, help us understand what your will is and what your way is for me. There's an acronym that a lot of people like to go to. This week I was reading a lot. And uh, you know the acronym of joy? Uh, You know what joy is? Jesus, others, and you, right? Uh, that's the old acronym. And, and there's truth to that. Easy to say an acronym. Difficult to practice it. Number one, Jesus Christ. Is he my all in all? Is he the one who I live my life for? Is he the one that I surrender my will to every single day that I wake up? Is he Lord of all? Jesus, others. Are others more important than yourself? You know where that comes from? Jesus, others, and you, it comes from the book of Philippians. And so what I want to encourage you to do this week, here's some homework, Christmas week. Read through the book of Philippians, four little chapters. We call it the book of joy. And if you read through the book of joy, what you will find is you will find the Apostle Paul writing from a prison cell. And not one time is he consumed with himself. But it's all about Jesus Christ, number one, Number two, others. And number three, I really don't matter a whole lot. (laughs) May we experience the joy this Christmas season. So, if you're not, number one, are you saved? Number one, are you saved? And if not, today call on his name. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Number two, Maybe you are saved, but you'd say, hey, I'm not walking in his way. I'm not abiding in him. I'm not abiding in his word. Well, abide in him. Repent. And when we repent, we find times of refreshing in his presence. He loves you, desires that you experience his joy. Would you do me a favor and join me for prayer this morning? This morning I'm going to pray, and after I pray, we'll have a song to close us. And after the song is sung, my wife and I will be down here, Jeff will be down here, Ross and Aaron are down here. 
Maybe this morning you're here and you would say, you know what, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's really what I need. I need Jesus. He is the source of joy. So I want to encourage you to come this morning. You come today. Maybe you're here and you would say, you know what, I, I have been walking in my way. But today, I want to surrender to his way. You do that. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your goodness to us, Lord Jesus. I thank you that God, even in a world where we can be overcome in a moment with trials and tribulations, God, we know that you will not leave us, that you will not forsake us, and that, God, you are our joy. Father, I pray that you'd help us to keep our eyes fixed on you when we're tempted to look away. God, I pray for those that are here this morning, Father, some that have never called on your name, that maybe today would be the day that they call on the name of Jesus Christ. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for laying down your life for us. God, we're thankful today to have a risen Savior. You're the reason, God, that we have joy. It's because we have a living hope. God, we love you. We thank you today. I pray that you'd have your way during these moments. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.